The biggest myth is that you can't be profitable within the first year, within the first five years. We hear that stat all the time. And if you set it up properly and you don't take on more than you should chew as far as overhead goes, you can be profitable right out of the gate. So only get the things that you need. So if you can go without a VA, if you can go without um, someone helping you in any way, and you can do the little bits to get those fastest wins, like get your hunting done and get your product sold for the first time and start getting some wins with those clients, that's how you get profitable fast. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Expert. I am your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Angela Mulrooney. And uh, Angela, we're going to be talking about a, a few uh, a few different areas, and uh, one is about the uh, pivot to uh, making a um, a profitable or making entrepreneurship profitable, and uh, whether that's a, a stay at home or jumping over to or, or entrepreneurship, and how you make or staying at a job or j making that jump, and how you might do that, and also um, talking a little bit about uh, you know how you may. Uh, don't want to miss uh, the pivot boat and kind of what that uh, what that entails and when you should pivot or when you shouldn't, as well as uh, steps to becoming profitable and uh, turning a profit uh, the first month you're in business. So should be a, a great conversation. And with that much as uh, introduction, welcome on the podcast, Angela. Thanks for having me, Devin. Nice to be back. Absolutely. And uh, for those that didn't uh, catch it, so Angela uh, was a uh, guest on our sister podcast, The Inventive Journey. Um, so definitely, if you want to go catch uh, Angela's full journey there and hear a little bit about how she how she got to where she's at today, definitely go uh, check that out. Um, but for those that uh, haven't had a chance to catch that episode or just looking for a, a quick introduction, uh, introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. So Part of the reason I do what I do now, which is helping people to pivot to profitable entrepreneurship is because I have been through multiple pivots myself. Um, it first happened when I got injured as a dentist, had to pivot to figure out what the heck I was going to do with my life without a drill in my hand. And so I went back to dancing full-time professionally and built out my first professional dance company. Then I decided all the stuff I learned in dentistry shouldn't go to waste because I'd built a really unique referral-based practice. So then I built another company called Unleashing Dentistry's Potential and helped dentists to find their niche and their passion in the industry and scale their practices. Then when I was doing that, I got on LinkedIn and started talking about what I knew about passion, about, about um, niching and about dentistry. And my audience went from 200 to 12,000 followers. And people started asking me, uh, can you do that for me? So then I started working on people's LinkedIn to see if I was a unicorn or if it was replicatable and it was replicatable. So that's where Unleashing Influence came from. So I built out a full-blown social media agency that went from two and a half to 14 full-time team members in a 10-month period during the pandemic. And so it exploded and so did my responsibilities with the companies. And I decided a year into the pandemic to move to Nicaragua and avoid snowflakes. And when I got here, I was like, oh, great. I've burned all this stuff down. I am starting a new life. Life is going to be completely different. And what I found was I found myself, my old self in Nicaragua and went back to becoming addicted to entrepreneurship, working hundred hours a week. 
and I realized life had to change. So I started burning down what wasn't working. So I sold my dance company. I sold my coaching company for dentists and I sold off the agency part of Unleashing Influence to land on exactly what I do now, which is help people to pivot to profitable entrepreneurship. So I have lived and breathed what I help people with. Um, I understand the professional journey and the responsibility to associations and maintaining your reputation. And uh, so I get to help people have easier journeys to get to that profitability and also do it with grace. No, that's awesome. Sounds like it was a, a fun journey and uh, definitely a, a great place to be. So now with that as a, a bit of an introduction, um, diving into a bit of the areas of expertise and, and maybe in no particular order. One of the things that uh, we talked a little bit beforehand, which I think is something that, you know, maybe is a, a bit of a myth that's out there, just uh, things that people have the misconception of is, hey, you have to, when you're going into business, it's going to take years before you're going to hit profitability. And, you know, you're just going to have to have a huge amount of savings or work it as a side hustle and you're not going to make money for a while. And, you know, and I think that uh, the approach you take is, you know, that, hey, you can be profitable your first month if you approach it correctly. So maybe give, you know, people an idea as to how you go approach uh, or hitting profitability from the get go. Well, one of the biggest things I do is help people to not reinvent the wheel. So most of the people I work with have experience, they have expertise in their industry over multiple decades. And so when they decide, I'm out, I don't want to do corporate anymore, I want to go it on my own, instead of reinventing the wheel and being like, oh, I'm going to start something completely outside of my realm of knowledge, we instead niche into what they are a genius at because of what they have been through. And so that helps lay the foundation of being an expert right off the bat. Then what I help them to do is get out there on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn organic tactics work amazingly well. I've built two full companies through LinkedIn organic tactics. And so when we can leverage a platform that is highly optimized like LinkedIn and use that as a tool to get out to people who we wouldn't normally meet, passing them on the street, seeing them in a coffee shop, that allows them to get the word out there really fast, get them in touch with the right people and start getting conversations on the books with those people to find out, you know, what are their pain points? What is the problem that they need solved? And how do we build a program that is actually going to help solve those problems? So when we are leaning into that already established expertise, that already established passion for what they love to do, honing it down to that 5% of their day that will keep them solely in their zone of genius, not doing all these extraneous things that they're used to doing. That's how we get success fast because they're not being distracted by the things that they shouldn't be doing that, you know, they're not passionate about that they don't really want to bring clients on for. And mm -hmm. so putting those blinders on really helps them to get that um, profitability fast. No, makes uh, makes uh, perfect sense now. So you, you you know, so let's say you put the blinders on, you kind of focus in now. First of all, how do you kind of go about focusing in? Because on the one hand, you know, definitely agree that you need focus. On the other hand, if you're a startup or small business, you're just getting going, you're also going to be wearing a lot of hats. You're going to be having to take on a lot of responsibilities, maybe not all of which are directly in your wheelhouse. You have a lot of experience, but you have to get them done and you, you don't have the, the, you know, a big team in place, you don't have huge budgets. So how do you kind of balance that as you're getting started of getting to profitability, focusing, but also having to, to cover, you know, kind of a, a wide swath of different things? we leverage a lot of automation. So I have a platform that I've built out with my tech partner that helps to take a lot of the stuff that people would normally be doing manually off their plate and plugging it into the platform. So um, we can automate their LinkedIn hunting. We can automate the follow-ups. We can automate, you know, how do we get people from LinkedIn into our email list so that there isn't so much manual work doing. Um, hmm. 
that they have to do, which helps them to really focus again in on that 5% that they really need to be doing and then getting other people, which is really the other people are the automations or virtual assistants, helping them with the things that they don't need to be doing that are rinse and repeat that someone else can take on for them. Mm. So now what kind of automations should you be thinking? I mean, there's a lot of, and you, you touched on a few, but I mean, there's everything from, you can have automated emails, you can have a CRM, you can have text messages, you can have outreach, you can have inbound, you can, you know, automate some of the general day in and day out tasks that you do with your business and do that, you know, and there's a lot of things that you can focus on. So now any thoughts as to where you should start or, or how you go about identifying kind of the areas that make sense to automate from the get-go and, and things that you should focus on as opposed to trying tackling it all at once. So the first thing is your hunting. So trying to get conversations with the right people. What oftentimes happens when people are new entrepreneurs is they try and build out their offer. And I've talked to so many who have spent a year building out these amazing things that they're so in love with. And I asked them, well, how many conversations have you had? Uh, two. How many sales have you got? Uh, none. Well, you can spend all this time building out these things that you fall in love with, but if you're not actually getting sales for it, you're working in a hobby instead of actually building a business. So what I want them working on first is their hunting. So how do we figure out who is the ideal avatar for the clients that they want to work with and who are also going to get success with their program and start getting those conversations going. So you can program LinkedIn to have messages going out, especially your first or second message getting connected with those people, trying to get a conversation started, but also polarizing at that time. So mm. you don't want to be trying to get everybody. You want to ask them a question that qualifies them or disqualifies them as a client that you want to work with. Then the next step could be getting them into a community. You also want to qualify them and disqualify um, people who want to be part of that community. Then if you get them into something like a challenge, which all my clients leverage, um, if that's also qualifying and disqualifying. So we're polarizing the funnel all the way along so that by the time we actually give them one-on-one -on -one time, we have the most ideal person on that call. And by the time you've gotten the people through the funnel, you've had time to build out your offer. You have time to put thought into what you're going to actually be serving them with. But if you start with what you're going to, what the product is first, and then try and do the hunting after, you're going to be so behind and have spent so much money and time on this thing that a lot of times people build these things and then they run back to getting a job because the money runs out. So if we can get those conversations going and even doing maybe a little bit of one-on-one -on -one coaching in the meantime, before the offer is fully ready to go, then that helps to get money flowing in so that they can actually build this dream product that is going to change people's lives. No, I think that definitely makes, uh, makes perfect sense. Now, one question, you know, maybe to follow up on that, which is, you know, when you're, if you're doing all this effort and you're not getting sales, you know, or you're not getting as much sales or closing as many, you know, deals as you'd want, one can be is you're not qualifying the right people and you're spending a lot of time and effort on just, you know, things that are, you're talking with the wrong people, you're spending too much time on it, you're not, uh, you know, haven't polished your pitch or, you know, maybe they don't want your pitch and, you know, or your services or that. The other thing could be is you need to pivot. In other words, you need to adjust. Maybe you're not offering the right services or products and you're not doing what the market is asking for. And so you kind of have that balance of, is it because I'm not doing the, you know, I've got the right right product or service, but I'm not, you know, qualifying people right, or I need to pivot and adjust and kind of, how do you go about deciding when you need to pivot or if you need to pivot, or if it's more of the qualifying people or kind of any thoughts on that? So every step of the funnel, we are doing little science experiments. So we're competing message A versus message B. We're competing 
welcome message to the community, A versus B. We are competing challenge message versus A versus B. And what we're doing on a monthly basis is looking at which one is working the best because it is very unlikely that every step of that funnel is going to be completely dialed in. No matter which company you're working with, whether it's me or you're working with someone else, there is a chemistry between you and your audience that you need to figure out. And you might get lucky that one of them is completely dialed in, but there's going to be other pieces of it that you need to figure out. Um, so we look at the rate of how many messages are we sending out? How many messages are, are we getting in conversation from those messages? How many people are joining your community from the community? How many people are joining your challenge from that challenge? How many people are actually getting on a call and how many of those calls are you actually closing? So we can see the drop-off rate in each of those things. And if one is really strong, we keep that. And then we start tweaking the other things underneath it. But it does take time, especially if you're newly selling yourself to, to really get that dialed in because there's all this chatter that's going on in your head that maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I should get a job. Maybe nobody's going to want this. And so the mindset has to be tweaked as well. And if your mindset is wrong in your community, if your mindset is wrong on your challenges, if your mindset is wrong on your sales calls, you're going to blow it every time. So that could be, it might not even be the messaging. It's the delivery that needs to be worked on. So recording yourself when you're delivering content, recording yourself when you're actually having those sales calls and looking back and be like, oh, did I just talk them out of joining me? Or did I talk them into working with someone else? All those things play into the success of the funnel. So we need to always be examining everything that's happening and being objective about it. Because a lot of people feel really good that they're doing something so that there's that emotional, you know, juice happening. It's like the people who built the amazing product and in a year, they're like, oh, I've got all these great things, but they got zero sales. They've got zero conversations going on. Um, we need to be objective and be like, okay, we're trying to build a business here. We need to look at the numbers because the numbers tell the truth every time. Hmm. So now what now you're shifting gears a little bit, but it's there's something that you hit on as well, which is, you know, sometimes it's, I guess the question is when you're doing a business and you're looking to figure it out, set it up profitable from the get go. And I think the, those are all things testing along the way you, and I think everybody, you know, different people I talk to have different opinions. It's always good to get different insights, but do you jump ship, you know, or if let's say you're starting out as a startup or a small business and you're just getting going and you also, you know, you're trying to make the decision. Do I do this as a side hustle? Do I get things started or going, or do I just jump in full, you know, or jump over to the boat? quit my job, go full time and do that. And I don't know that there's an, a definitive right or wrong answer, but any thoughts on kind of how you figure out the difference between jumping into entrepreneurship full time and going that route versus starting out slower or kind of any, any thoughts on how you balance that? It really depends on the risk tolerance of the person who is deciding to go into entrepreneurship. Some of them are like me, they'll light a match, throw it over their shoulder, burn it down be like, okay, jumping off the cliff and I got to build wings. Or some of them, you know, I call them the dimmer switch clients. So they want to slowly turn down their career and slowly turn up the entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, a lot of that comes out in the wash when I do the cracky open session with them because I'm looking at their archetypes. I'm understanding their personality, their viewpoint of the world and helping them to map out how this is going to go. Sometimes people have come to me and they've already burned the boats. And so it's mm -hmm. like, okay, you've jumped off the cliff. We got to work fast so that you don't run out of money and have to run back to entrepreneurship. Um, I like the ones who have, I like both, honestly, the ones who have a lower risk tolerance, if they can have money flowing in so that they don't freak out that things aren't coming in as fast and they've got that financial security, we can do, we can dimmer switch them. The ones who have burned the boats who are like, we need to figure this out. They work their butts off to get their return on investment in the program and the return on investment of making that choice 
to go all in and they know they need to get income replacement fast. So they're going to take all the steps that need to happen in the correct order and not throw any wrenches into the gears. And that's one of the things that I require with my clients is like, this is going to be a blueprint. We're going to go step by step by step and build this thing out. If you throw something else into it, I can't predict what's going to happen. But I know if you take these steps and we customize them to exactly what you need, you're going to get to where you want to go fast. Um, so they have to also be willing to trust the process and trust themselves. And that's usually the biggest thing is they don't trust themselves. They're like, oh, someone told me I should try this. And so they bring this other tactic in and then they muck up the whole the whole system. Hmm. Now, let me maybe just uh, ask a follow-up question to that. So let's say I jump in, burn the boats, throw the match over the shoulder, and I feel that I've made a mistake. So in other words, hey, maybe I jumped in too quickly and I you know, I need to get time to whether it's get things in place or get a mentor or go through the course or otherwise figure out profitability. And maybe I didn't have all those things in place. Is it better just to put in the time and effort charge for it and get those things done as quickly and in place as possible? Or do you go back and say, hey, I'm going to try and rewind time a bit, go find that or go back to the job or find a new job and kind of balance that or you know, how do you balance that? Because I think that there are, are points and times, even for people that are a higher risk tolerance, where you question, should I keep going or should I slow things down or or, or, or put a pause on things? And how do you, you kind of uh, balance that or any, any thoughts on how you might uh, go about approaching that? One of the easy things people can do if they do need to get that financial support is take on a fractional role with a company doing the expertise that they want. Or you can get a consultancy role so that you've got some money coming in, but you also have that flex in your schedule to build it. Now, if someone is an energizer bunny like me who can work a full-time job and also do something on the side, then if that's going to make them more comfortable and they are going to still be able to do what they need to do to get to where they want to go while not getting themselves fired or tarnishing their reputation with that job, I'm all good with any of those situations. But what we need to just do is make sure that we are building that confidence. We're getting those reps in. The hunting has to continue. The building of the offer has to continue. And a lot of people, what happens if they feel like they're not winning at it, they just go, oh, entrepreneurship is not for me. And what happened was they just didn't give themselves enough time or they didn't give themselves enough space to actually like have that financial support while they did something else. And so they get so, sh they feel so shameful that they never come back and try it again. And it's, it's sometimes just a timing thing. You know, maybe you weren't mentally ready, maybe you weren't financially ready, but you have this thing that you know can change people's lives. And so don't give up on it, but get the right support. If it means that financial support from a job, great. If it means joining a program, great. But if you know you've got this, you've got this amazing thing that you really want to be doing, you don't have to give up on it, but maybe you have to approach it a different way. No, and I think, you know, I think that's the one of the harder things is because, you know, you, and, and there's all sorts of memes and gifts or whatever out there, which is, you know, you're so close to success, and then you give up along the way. And if you just stuck it out a bit longer, you'd be successful, vice versa, you could be very close to failure, you're hitting your head against the wall, and you're not able to do that. And I think that, you know, that's a lot of things in this, you know, one is having the plan in place and, and getting figure how you can be profitable from the front end and also figuring out how to pivot. And I know it's it's probably a bit of a repeat of the question, but I think it's still hard. You know, how do you figure out, is it pivot? Is it sticking it out? Is it going back? You know, is it more of the individual or it's any thoughts on how you, because you get, you get to that point and you don't know if it's, hey, I'm just doing the wrong thing, or maybe I need to bring in a partner, or maybe I need to pivot. Maybe I need to put a pause. Maybe I need to do the fractional CFO. And I think people have a hard time balancing that. And you started to touch on that, but any, any follow-up thoughts or additional thoughts on kind of how you weigh when you're having those thoughts, what is the, the right course? 
So if you're, this is one thing that happens if people have been, they've been, they've built something amazing, but they're not getting sales. Maybe they've had a few conversations. If you were to offer that product to someone for free and they still wouldn't be willing to put in the time and effort to use it, mm. that's when it's time to go back to the drawing board. But if you're offering it and if you were to do it for free, people would get all in and all over it. Okay. There's something happening in the way that you're selling it, right? The, the product is fine, but we need to learn how to be, to mm. actually ask better questions, to really find out what people want to know that we can actually serve them with the product. So that's one of the easiest ways to look at um, doing that. And if someone needs to get some social credibility, there's nothing wrong with doing a few pro bono, um, putting people through pro bono on your product so that you can actually test and see what the outcomes would be. And then you can get social proof through testimonials, video journals, and then you can leverage that to actually get more people interested. Because if you're starting out, oftentimes people are like, well, I'm a brand new coach and you know I don't have any clients yet and I'd really like to help you. And they sell themselves short all the way along, even though they have all this amazing experience that they can be helping people with because they don't have that time in that role, they start to really sell themselves short and then they, you know, they shoot themselves in the foot during the sales conversation. So that's a big thing with going back and listening to what you're actually saying, especially in a call where you're like, for the first time, actually trying to sell yourself. If you've worked for another company and you've sold things, that's so different than selling your services that you are online with a guarantee that you're going to get someone results. It's really easy to talk yourself out of actually helping those people because it's scary to fully engage. Like when someone hands you the cash, you are in. <laughs> you got to deliver. You got to get this product ready to go. You have to make sure that you're taking them through the right journey to get them the right results. So um, yeah, it's it's really interesting playing with those different pieces of it and evaluating where you're at. Hopefully that answered the question. No, that was a great. And I like the takeaway of it. You know, if you can give it away for free and people want it, then it's a matter of figuring out now how you get people to pay for it or how you realize that, you know, that they can see that value to the level of, of making sense that they're, they're willing to pull the trigger and, and pay for the services. So I think I love that as a, as a test, to, you know, to, to kind of figure out, are you at the right spot? Do you need to put a pause? Do you need to go in a different direction? Or is it a matter of adjusting how you're or targeting or approaching the, the, the right people and giving the right pitch? So I think that's a, definitely a, a great uh, insight. Well, now is uh, we're already wrapping towards the end of the episode, and it feels like we've uh, barely scratched the surface. So we'll have to have you uh, back on maybe to one of the, the sister podcasts. But at least as we're uh, wrapping up this episode, we'd like to wrap up with uh, one question. So we'll hit on that now, which is within your industry, what is the biggest myth and why is it wrong? The biggest myth is that you can't be profitable within the first year, within the first five years. We hear that stat all the time. And if you set it up properly and you don't take on more than you should chew as far as overhead goes, you can be profitable right out of the gate. So only get the things that you need. So if you can go without a VA, if you can go without um, someone helping you in any way, and you can do the little bits to get those fastest wins, like get your hunting done and get your product sold for the first time and start getting some wins with those clients, that's how you get profitable fast. What happens is people are like, oh, I need this course and I need this um, app and I need blah, 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 blah. And they build out all these expensive pieces of their overhead that they think are the magic sauce. I had a conversation like this just this past week. He's like, oh, I figured out the magic sauce. It's this app. And I'm like, no, it's not. The app is going to support you. But there's so many things you can be doing to actually get the sale without that app. You can make mm. your first million dollars without having an app. Um, so it's, it's really interesting how people get sucked into these things. 
And then suddenly they're like every dollar coming in, they're sending two or three more dollars out in return for it. And so they dig themselves into a hole. And then again, they run screaming back to a job. No, I think that that's a, definitely a, a great myth to dispel and a, and a great takeaway. So, well, that was we uh, wrap up the episode. If people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? The best is to find me on LinkedIn. It's under Dr. Angela Mulroney. And my company is Unleashing Influence. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, support a great business, and if nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. So with that, thank you again, Angela, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you the listeners are out there, if you can help us to share this expertise with even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey of success, make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review. Helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses. And on that note, if along your journey, you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your startup or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com. Grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Angela, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks, Evan.